podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And welcome to episode 83. 80, is it 83? Hold on. Yes. Yeah, 83. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I don't know why I blanked on it, but 83. Hello. I don't either because you well, made the folder. I I did that today too, so I forgot. <laughs> no, what it is is I made it on my lunch, and then I had that really long work meeting, and so everything, like just all the penguins on that iceberg, jumped off that iceberg of knowledge. That no, I I get that everything yeah. before that meeting, no, is gone. Every yeah, that meeting and everything before it is just that ship sailed. Yeah, well, no, the meeting's still there, but it's oh, working horrible. on jumping off. Because okay. it was an hour and a half. Ugh, that's gross. Yeah. I know. I keep hearing children screaming, but it's just the neighbors. That's fine. They do that a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to episode 83. How are you? I'm pretty good. I got some veggie okay. straws that um, I'm munching on. Okay. Oh, how are you? I'm good. You said you had a grievance. I was going to let you do your grievance first. Oh, okay, good. I was going to ask you and then I was going to grievance, but cool. What do you ever get um, the marbled cookie pizzas from Domino's? No. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I didn't know Wait. it was an option. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Well, it's in the desserts. <laughs> it's in the desserts, but now, well, damn. Now I can't even. You can still complain. I'm listening. I have to grieve in peace, though. In peace? Yeah. Oh, wait. No, I have to solo grieve. Okay, well, I'm listening. Maybe I'll feel your pain. I just wanted to ask what they look like. Because ever since I've left Mobile and we get Domino's, granted, we've always tried the same one. But every time we get this piece, and I, Bryce, I love me. A marbled cookie brownie pizza, whatever it's called. I love them. But they look like this now every time. This is not marbled. This is a cookie stuck in a brownie. Domino's. We okay, we have had them before, but the one time that we had them, they were I think they were undercooked and we just never bought them again. This is like my only grievance is like it's a literal square of brownies and they just smacked cookies down in them. Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm still gonna eat it. Obviously, I've already taken a bite. I'm still gonna eat it. But I mean, where's the brownie? I mean, where's the marble? Come on, guy. Get your shit together, Domino's. Hold on, I'm pulling up pictures to see if other people have the same grievance. The pe- the pictures are a lie. Because online, it's got the pretty little swirls like an actual marble. Uh, no, not this picture. This picture looks like... Hold on. Let me just share with you. This picture just looks like they t- threw clumps of cookie dough on top of brownie batter. That's it! That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> what they look like now. But if you go to like their, yeah, see the website, the marble cookie brownie, it's like so I pretty. I think so. I think what it is is it's angles because you can still see that that's probably just a cookie thrown on top. And it's just the angle and how they cut it. I don't like it. It's false advertising. You can't call it marbled if you don't marble it. Okay. Have you ever marbled a brownie with a cookie? No, but I've marbled a cake. Okay. But that's different. Is I'm just it, thinking it? cookie dough has got to be a little more difficult to marble in with a brownie. 
then don't call it a marbled cookie pizza. Just call it a cookie pizza. Yeah. Just you can call it a brookie. We've I've seen those before. Brookies. It's a brownie and a cookie. I don't know what to tell you other than make your own brookies if it's that important. You know what? I might try that. And I'll bring it to Domino's and I'll be like, this, this is a <laughs> this marbled is a marbled cookie, cookie brownie. brownie. Do you see it? Look at it. You can't it's have marbled. It. It's mine. I made it. I just wanted you to see it. Oh, so I pulled up pictures and I just saw something that looks really delightful and I'm really upset I don't have it at my house. It is, is it? you know, the little the little Debbie Cosmic Brownies? Mm-hmm. It's a Cosmic Brownie ice cream. Oh, it's really good. Is it? Yeah. They have a lot okay. of them. They have an oatmeal cream pie, which is also good. Um, and they come in the little tubs, too. Like the little personal ice creams. Yeah. Oh, they had, I think they had a Swiss cake roll one. And they had a Nutter Butter, which I got not that great. I love a good Nutter Butter. That's but a bummer. I was disappointed in that. Yeah. I had. I think my hopes were too high. Your hopes were too high on that one? hmm I mean, that's fine. But I'm done talking about food. I'm sorry. What's, um, do you have any news? Do you have any updates? I do. I bitched last week that I had to buy a car. Mm-hmm. And I bought a car. Do you love it? It's really I'm okay. Let me just put it this way. I'm still really love my Mazda, which we're we kept, and Cody's gonna try to fix it. He's got a year to try to fix it. I still really love my Mazda. It's a really good car, but it was probably time for an upgrade. Um, especially because it's been really nice not having the dogs right in our faces as we're driving down the road. <laughs> so we got an SUV, it's a RAV4. Um it <laughs> First of all, we don't know what to do with ourselves with so much space because my little Mazda, mm-hmm. I mean, Mazda 3, little itty bitty thing. Um, imagine two large dogs plus the small dog plus two humans in a little Mazda. And now we have upgraded. The big dogs are really upset because we bought a barrier <laughs> for the the hatch and the middle seat or the back seat. Mm-hmm. So they can't get up there <laughs> anymore. They have not ridden in the car with the gate up yet. We just got that in today. But we've ridden in the car with them just in the very back. And we've just yelled at them when they try to climb to the front. <laughs> um, but the two big dogs are upset because they have to stay in the back. But because I can't let Maisie be trampled by them, <laughs> she she gets uh, she gets put in the middle seat. Mm-hmm. And so they're real jealous. <laughs> Which, from my understanding, she also hates the middle seat. She does. She, yeah, nobody in her car is happy <laughs> when the dogs are in there. None of us are happy. Um, however, like every family vacation I've ever been on. <laughs> however, we have more space and we don't have dogs breathing in our faces. <laughs> so that's really nice. Yeah, no one in our car is happy when we go on a drive. Uh, Maisie doesn't quite understand because we we got like a harness to buckle her into the seat just so that mm-hmm. she can't climb all over which not my favorite because i don't think they're the best things for dogs but that's the only way she's going to learn to stay out of our face right yeah so yeah so we've got our new car been exciting but also at the same time i didn't want a new car so it's i'm really conflicted because i really didn't want one but it's really nice having a new one and here we are right and you have to love the space too oh it's so much space Mm -hmm. cody's made me drive everywhere though 
And I had to remind him, the reason I stopped driving with you is because you would scream, look out, or some bullshit like that, scaring the ever-loving shit out of me as I'm driving down the road, you're going to kill us. So he knows that he's not allowed to do that. You, so have you ever done it to him? It doesn't work for him. He just ignores me. You at least try it. Like I did it I have. to James one time. I, I never had to do it again because I'm just happy. I can still see his face. But my dad did that to us growing up. We would be driving down the road. Everything's cool. Everyone's calm. We're relaxed. And then all of a sudden he would reach over and grab like your knee and just ah, just yell. And it would mm-hmm. scare the absolute crap out of us. So obviously, yeah. I came up here before before we were married. I was on vacation. I came up here. James is driving around. Maybe don't do it when the other person's driving. But I did. Because I'm me. So he's driving. And I just grabbed his leg and screamed. And the face, he, I scared the absolute shit out of that poor man. And I will cherish that memory till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um. Cody, so he does that to me. It doesn't work on him, but maybe I just don't scream loud enough. I'm also not going to try because I don't want to die, you know? That was years ago that I did it, or I attempted it, and he did it. Like, it was when we first started dating, which we've been together for, it'll be 10 years this year. So, like, a long time ago. But he he used to do that, and that's when I stopped driving. I refused. (laughs) I would not drive with him. So he hasn't done it, and I warned him if he does it even once, I stop driving again because mm-hmm. I'm not risking it. I'm not playing this game. He knows better. So he's <laughs> he's letting I've been driving a little bit, which that's fine, but he knows. He knows he he only has one chance to not F it up. This is your chance to to screw yourself over, Cody. Yeah, basically. But anyways, yeah, so it's it's nice. Um I have a lot of anxiety about it too, though, because my Mazda is a manual. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not used to not having to shift gears. <laughs> so I still am finding myself driving, going to reach to shift gears and having to stop myself and go, I don't have to shift gears. <laughs> I don't have to shift. Does it have the option? Like with when I had my last ref or it had the option, like you could shift and you could move over, which is much less mm-hmm. fun because you're literally just shifting up and down. But yeah. Have you played with it? Yeah, it it does. I haven't played with it mostly because most of our car rides have been with the dogs and I just have not wanted to fiddle yeah. around with things while I'm hurtling down the freeway. Fair point. Yeah. So. While you're, at least you're not fending off dog breath, though. Yeah, no, that's great. Even better now is that we've got a sunroof. So even if it starts getting dog breath-like, we just open the sunroof. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. have that all shush to the back. I'll <laughs> go back there. And smell your own breath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Haven't had that issue with them in the very back, but mm-hmm. we still have that option. But yeah. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, Maisie's learning. Maisie has never been able to be like that dog that just has her head out the window mm-hmm. because oh. she's a jump risk. She has proven to us that she will jump. <laughs> and so normally she doesn't get window time because she can't we're be trusted. Not yeah, she can't be trusted. But now that we're buckling her in, I can give her a little bit of window time and she's loving it. She <laughs> loves it. 
Um, I had to run to the bank for something and I took her with really quick. First of all, my Mazda, the front window doesn't go down anymore because someone tried to break in and they mm -hmm. screwed up my window, um, which is stupid because I'm like, there's nothing in my car and it was probably unlocked, but go ahead, break my window. <laughs> oh my God, um, that's the best. It was probably unlocked. It was probably, <laughs> it really probably was. That would make me even more angry though, if they broke my window when the door was unlocked. Like. <laughs> stupidest thieves it's ever just, we've gotten like we lock our doors now but at the time we weren't we didn't lock the door very much especially when mm -hmm. we were home like if it was at our house like okay go ahead and steal any garbage we left in there or whatever and no we were pretty sure someone just tried to break in and broke our window and i was like it's probably unlocked do you lock your house yeah our house gets locked you know before i moved in james did not lock their doors it, he sometimes complains that he locks doors now because I'm here. Because it's, it's a safe neighborhood. I don't give a damn. I don't care if I, I live in the Vatican, okay? I'm locking my doors. Yeah, you lock your door. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Thieves, vampires, lock your doors, okay? Skinwalkers, just lock your doors, okay? Exactly. Oh, my God. Black-eyed kids. Oh, lock your doors. Lock your damn exactly. doors. Guys. Did you did you see the TikTok of the the skinwalker goat thing? Close your door, ma'am. No, do you know what what I'm talking about? Yes, but why the did she open the door for it? I don't know. I have no clue. But that's why you lock your door. Yes, <laughs> because otherwise you're gonna have a. A wet, slick back lamb with two eyes that are too large standing on its hind legs in your doorway. Unnaturally. Who? It did not look like it was just standing like a goat on its hind legs. It looked like it was upright and comfortable in that position. It looked like a taxidermied animal that someone just pulled out of a river. That's what it looked like. Like it didn't look wet, but the, all the hair was like slicked down like why would you open your door to that? Why would anybody in their right mind open their door? I don't even care if it's my goat. No. Don't open your door. No. You are nature's goat now. You are free. <laughs> <laughs> Go be elsewhere. <laughs> Go be creepy on the neighbor's porch. Not happening. I'm not here for it. We're not doing this. Not today. Absolutely not. not. I will say I did see someone stitch that TikTok. And she was saying... Let it in. Now you have a pet demon. <laughs> Goat, skinwalker, <laughs> demon. Now you've got a pet. <laughs> Let it in and love it. I'll, I probably saved that one. I can send it. To, I probably sent it to you. The one that I don't know if it was you or James, but the one somebody sent me, there was a woman that stitched it and she was basically just saying, ba I, I'm sorry, I got excited. She was basically saying, close that damn door. And she just kept saying that. And what got me the most was she made a comment about um, 8x11s just open the door to anything. Yeah. And I laughed so hard because me and James, I think we got it at the same time. And I was like, she's talking about paper, like printer paper. It was. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. People um, are hilarious. I sent that one to you. That goat is another reason I should not ever find an apprenticeship for taxidermying animals because that is 1000% probably the shit that I would make. Mm. Yeah, you should probably not do that. All right. Well, are you almost ready for stories? 
Yes, I am. I, I think I'll really like mine tonight. But before we get into stories, we just want to shout out that we do post our pictures on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, Instagram, Facebook are Hell on Heels Podcast. Twitter is Hell on Heels Pod. Basically everywhere else is Hell on Heels Podcast. So you can find us on Instagram, Linktree, Facebook, uh, Discord. We're all over the place at this point. You can find us on those places. We also have our Patreon up and going. We're working on getting specials out for Patreon. And then if you do have any true crime, paranormal suggestions or stories that you want to hear, whatever it is, you can email us at hellandhealspodcast at gmail.com. We love, love hearing from you guys and getting suggestions. So we're not going to complain if you do. I love a good suggestion. My dad sends most of the suggestions. So have we done them? I did one. One? I think I've done one. Yeah. And I did get one from Mark that I did. At least one. Okay. So yeah, send us your suggestions and we'll we'll eventually do them and give you a little shout out as the thanks. We add them to a spreadsheet, okay? It doesn't get forgotten. Yeah, but there's Just, also like 600 items on that spreadsheet, so it might take us a minute, y'all. And we both have dibs on like quite a few of those items. <laughs> yeah. Also, it is to be exact 604 items. I didn't, including oh. the ones that we've completed. I was about to say, okay, I was, I was just throwing a number out there, but we've completed quite a few, so it's probably somewhere around like five fifty. Uh, yeah, I'm counting them right now. Hold on, four hundred and thirty-eight. Oh, dang, we did more than quite two, a few. Well, two stories each episode, okay. and we're we're at over episode eighty. So that yeah, that that math it out. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Anyways, so again, if you guys do have suggestions, we do get to them eventually. But here we are. <laughs> so anyways, I think that's all I have to share. Yeah, I'm ready for a story. Okay, I think I think you're going to hate this one. Um, but it is one that it's one that's near and dear to my heart because I really hate it. So I thought I'd tell you about it. So you're going to torment me with it? Absolutely. I'm going to begin by telling you about a man named Bruce Nickel. He lived in Auburn, Washington with his wife and two stepdaughters. He was married to his wife, Stella Nickel, for 12 years. He worked as a heavy equipment operator and he was a recovered alcoholic. He used to drink and visit bars heavily, but he had gone to rehab and he had given up drinking, which is like, that's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. On June 5th, 1986, Bruce Nickel came home with a headache. At approximately 5.02 p.m., Stella Nickel called the emergency volunteer fire department, and she told them that her husband had taken, had collapsed after taking some Excedrin. I feel like I've heard this story. I might know this one. You probably do. Okay. Um, I did want to note, I thought it was weird that she called the fire department when her husband say. collapsed. Um, I saw your face. You made a face and I was like, I know, me too. I did see in one source that this emergency volunteer fire department was only a few blocks from her house. And the fire department, they do have people trained for that. They're EMTs as well. So the only thing I can I could figure is she called them because they were close. I don't really know. That was um, unexplained. I just found it interesting. She told first responders that he had taken four of the capsules of the Excedrin. 
and Bruce was rushed to Harborview Medical Center, where doctors were unable to revive him. He died shortly after, and the death was ruled due to natural causes. The attending physicians, physicians said it was due to emphysema. Six days later... Wait, due to emphysema? Mm-hmm. Apparently he had emphysema, and for whatever reason, that was the cause of his death. Okay. Six days later, 40-year-old Susan Snow woke up with a headache, and she took two Excedrin. She started getting ready for work. She worked as a bank manager in Auburn. And Susan's husband, Paul Webking, he also took two Excedrin for his arthritis before he left the house for work. At 6.30 in the morning, Paul and Susan's 15-year-old daughter, Haley, found her mother unconscious on the bathroom floor with a faint pulse. Haley Haley later said that she'd heard a thump and the sound of water running over the sink. Susan's eyes were open and her fingers were bent and locked up. And she was having a hard time breathing. Susan was transported to Harborview Medical Hospital where she died later that day without ever regaining consciousness. And I did want to say, Haley, I did find one article where she did speak on her mother a little bit. And she said that her mother was popular. She had a big personality. She seemed like just a really sweet woman. During her autopsy, assistant medical examiner Janet Miller, she smelled bitter almonds. Do you know what that means? I ask as she's chewing. <laughs> it's somewhere up here. I just don't remember. When I say it, you're going to be like, that, that, that. That's, that, the one. that's what I was going to mm-hmm. say. That, it was on the tip of my tongue. Mm, it's not right now, but <laughs> I know I've heard it before. I just can't recall what it is. So apparently cyanide has a smell of bitter almonds. But what I thought was super interesting was not everybody can smell it. According to health.ny.gov, between 20 and 40% of the population does not carry the gene needed to detect the odor of cyanide. I love that you call it an odor, but it smells like, it's what, smells like almonds? They said specifically bitter almonds, and I tried to Google what that meant. (laughs) Because like, okay, I know what almond smells like. Like I've got some almond extract in the cabinet right now, but what does bitter almonds smell like? I don't know. Cyanide. Oh. So if I Google what does bitter almond smell like, it's probably going to come up with cyanide. Probably, but it's probably better <laughs> than Googling cyanide a bunch of times, which, well, just, I'm never killing my husband. I'll say that. Not with cyanide, at least. No. So according to the CDC, cyanide is a rapid acting, potentially deadly chemical that interferes with the body's ability to use oxygen. So that's terrifying. You basically suffocate. Luckily, Janet Miller did, I guess, possess the gene that made it possible. And she detected this smell. They tested Susan Snow and her results showed death caused by acute cyanide poisoning. Investigators went back to the house and tested the extra strength Excedrin used by Paul and Susan And in this 60-capsule bottle, I should say originally 60 capsules, there were three left in the bottle that was positive for cyanide. Three total left in the bottle? So they were... They were in there when Paul took some. And he just, I guess, missed them. Okay, so it wasn't all of the capsules. It was just a couple. Right. Another 
bottle positive for cyanide was found on the shelf in a grocery store in Kent, Washington. And Bristol Myers, they, Bristol Myers is the people that produce um, Excedrin. They immediately recalled all extra strength Excedrin products. And then there was a group of drug companies that came together and they collectively offered $300,000 for the capture of who was responsible for this. Now, when Stella Nichol heard this, she went back to police on June 19th and she told them that her husband had also taken Excedrin that morning. And it turns out that the bottles that she brought them were the same lot number of Susan Snow's bottle. So the FDA tested and found cyanide in Bruce Nichol as well. And they also found cyanide in the two bottles of extra strength Excedrin that Stella had brought them. Both Paul Webking and Stella Nichol, they filed wrongful death suits against Bristol-Myers at this point. The FDA inspected the plant that the Excedrin was packaged at, and they found no evidence of cyanide at all. Bristol-Myers, as I said earlier, they took this really seriously. On June 18th, they recalled all Excedrin capsules, and they warned customers not to use any that they had already bought. On June 24th, they found a cyanide-contaminated bottle of Anacin-3 still on the shelf in the store where Susan Snow bought her Excedrin. And I did look that up. Anacin-3 is another pain pill produced by a different company. So this is a completely separate medicine, completely separate company. So they're now kind of looking at it and going, well, it wasn't something that likely happened at the Excedrin factory. Right. It was probably tampered with in the store. You are, you're onto it. Bryce is on the case. Detective Bryce. I'm on it. On June 27th, Washington State put a 90-day ban on selling non-prescription medication in capsule form. That seems like a really long time. Yeah. And to, and like, what do you do if you have a headache? Because like, first of all, I'm terrified. But I also get headaches. That's that's crazy that the state of Washington was on it like that. But they had good reason. Because just four years earlier, in September and October of 1982, there was a series of seven deaths in the Chicago area. The Tylenol murders. Yeah, you're on it. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm researching that one. So. so I did want to list the victims just in case, even though Bryce is researching it. They're... It started with 12-year-old Mary Kellerman, 27-year-old Adam, I believe it's pronounced Janice, 25-year-old Stanley Janice, Adam's brother, 20-year-old Teresa Janice, who was Stanley's wife, and they had been married for three months, 31-year-old Mary McFarland, 35-year-old Paula Prince, and 27-year-old Mary Reiner all died from cyanide contamination in Tylenol containers. This did lead to what they called the Tylenol Bill being passed that made it a federal crime to tamper with consumer products. And then eventually, in 1989, the FDA established federal guidelines that required manufacturers to make certain products tamper-proof. Now, the, the contaminated bottles, they were sent to the FBI crime lab, and tests showed cyanide powder, which we knew. But they also found green flecks of an unknown substance. And further testing proved that this was algae destroyer, and it's an algicide used in home aquarium. Since the plants that packaged the medicine was clean, 
As Detective Bryce stated earlier, police started investigating the possibility of product tampering. At the time of the death, death, excuse me, Excedrin was sold in a plastic bottle where foil covered the mouth. The bottle had a plastic cap, and that cap was secured by plastic wrap. That feels kind of difficult to tamper with for me, but also I feel like where there's a will, there's a way. Like people. I was going to say, we don't have, we don't have the time or energy to figure out a way, right? Oh, I definitely do not. No. Oh no. Hell no. I don't even have the energy to find cyanide. Where do you find cyanide? Don't answer that. And don't Google it for the love of God. (laughs) Investigators asked Paul Webking and Stella Nickel to take a polygraph. Paul did, but afterwards he complained about how the FBI treated him to the media, which uh, I kind of get that. Especially when, you know, the husband did it. That's the thing. Stella did not take this polygraph. And her lawyer told reporters that she was too shaken up. By the time they requested these polygraphs, investigators already had a subject in mind. A suspect, not a subject. The subject was math. But the... (laughs) Or no, the subject was chemistry. The subject was chemistry. The suspect was Stella Maldine Nickel. She was born... Stella Stevenson. She was born August 7th in 1943. She's born in Colton, Oregon, and she grew up in a really poor family. She had her first daughter, Cynthia, at 16. She moved to Southern California shortly after Cynthia was born, and she soon got married and had another daughter. But then she kind of ran into um, some minor legal troubles. And 1968, she was convicted for fraud. Oh, so minor. Yeah, just a little, just a little fraud. Little fraud. Yeah. No big deal. It's just small bits of fraud. A year later, in 1969, she was charged with child abuse after beating Cynthia with a curtain rod. That's not minor. Cynthia would have been around 10 years old. That's not minor. Here's the most frustrating part of that for me. She was sentenced to counseling for child abuse for this. What year is this again? 1969. In 1971, she was convicted of forgery. And then she spent six months in jail for fraud. More fraud. I feel like maybe she's not learning her lesson. Um, I don't think so. But that's just me. What do I know? The rest of the story. Nothing. I'll tell oh, you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Damn, thanks. Jeez. I'm sorry. <laughs> So Stella and Bruce met in 1974, and they married two years later. Now, police, they had a handful of reasons to suspect Stella. Out of the five contaminated bottles that were found in the country, one source said that they stated 15,000 bottles. They found five, and Stella had two that she claimed that she bought two weeks apart in different stores. I don't really believe her, but what do I know? I feel like if that's true, she should have bought a lottery ticket yesterday. It's true, but also I don't really believe her. Do you know what else she did? I know I've heard the story, but do I remember what else she did? No. What do people always do before they kill their spice? Spouse. Their spices. I don't know. I don't kill spices. (laughs) Though I do use a lot of spices in, Uh you know, in my food, which Cody claims could kill him. I think he's wrong. Okay, but if that were to happen, what would you do beforehand? Take out a life insurance policy. Of course, from a spaghetti <laughs> salesman, obviously. <laughs> Duh. The best type are the former spaghetti salesmen. 
But who else are you going to buy from? They're going to cook some spaghetti, throw yeah. it on your wall, hand you documents to sign. Like, what are exactly. you talking about? What, are you going to buy insurance from a man in a suit? No, you're going to buy insurance no. from a man with spaghetti on the wall. Exactly. And for those of you that don't know what we're referring to, <laughs> um, who, who was that again? That was Philly Poison Ring. There it is. The Philadelphia Poison God. Ring. Yeah, so that, that story is from the Philly Poison Ring, as mm-hmm. we both drew a blank. That's episode 77. Look, yeah, we try not to keep these stories on the brain, okay? Some of them really dig themselves in there, but we remember the important things, like the spaghetti salesman. Yes. Like, how can you forget him? Yeah. That was different. He was over there just selling his spaghetti, and his life got turned upside down. His life got twist <laughs> turned upside down. It's when he stopped sp- selling the spaghetti, okay? That's where everything just took a bad turn. Okay, I gotta stop before I turn that song into a spaghetti song. No, we're not going to turn that into a spaghetti (laughs) song. (laughs) But yes, you are right. Life insurance policy. Ding, ding, ding. Stella had taken out about $76,000 in life insurance on Bruce Nickel. Listen, ladies, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do it, you gotta play the long game. Get life insurance well ahead. Make it seem normal. She also had an additional $100,000 if it was an accident. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which got even sketchier. Well, I was okay. going to say, on top of that, she's now going to sue for a wrongful death. So not only mm-hmm. is she's going to get this $176,000, potentially, she's also possibly going to get money from Bristol Myers. Uh, the ex- yeah, et cetera, and Bristol Myers, whoever. Yeah. Only, she might have messed up a little bit. Because, obviously, and guess investigators went to speak to Bruce's doctors in the hospital who told them that Stella was very vocal about her husband's death being an accident. It was absolutely not emphysema. It was an accident. Oh, and you're not going to believe this. Two of the signatures, two of Bruce's signatures on the insurance policy, they were forged. There's no way. Not good old Stella. She would never do anything fraudulent like that. She would never even consider it. Never crossed her mind. Not even a possibility. So after hearing all of that, do you want to hear the nail in the coffin? Because none of that was it. I would love to hear the nail in the coffin. Stella had several fish tanks in her home. And they were able to link her to a local fish store buying algae destroyer. Oh, Stella, Stella, Stella. And the clerk admitted to them that they told her to crush the product before she used it. So police are suspecting that Stella Nickel used this same container that she used to crush the algae destroyer to prepare the cyanide, which would leave green flecks in the Excedrin. It's rude and not smart. Wash your shit gross that's what i was just thinking is you you're gonna kill people and you're not even gonna wash your shit you're gonna kill your people and your fish learn to do some dishes yes why don't you do that why don't you do some dishes and not kill random people you or fish garbage or fish why don't you not kill anything why don't you stop forging signatures and being fraudulent at life why don't you just be a kind human being why, not Why don't you just stop being, I don't know. Just stop being Stella. Just stop being. Just stop being. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that we both had that same thought. Just stop <laughs> being. Yes. 
That's the theme of this episode. Just stop being. Stop being. Yeah. I think that's the theme of most episodes, actually. Yeah. That's what we should have named our podcast. Just stop being. Just stop being. Okay. Rebrand. Done. (laughs) But we're keeping the photo. I'm going to have to reach out to Homie and have him update just the verbiage or the words. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. No, we're not doing that, but. No, ever. I like it the way it is. We may have gone through a lot of different cover photos, guys, but we still have the same name. So it's fine. Some things never change. Exactly. Like Stella's habit of forging. That's... What do you mean? She would never. You were right. Again, Detective Bryce is on the case. She did not learn her <laughs> lesson. She would not learn her lesson. We know that for sure. Now, she did finally agree to take a polygraph test in November of 1986, and she failed it with flying colors. I didn't know you could fail with flying colors. I knew you could she pass. Did. Oh, okay. She did. She could. That was that was one test she could not forge. Did she try? Probably. Okay. <laughs> now, despite all of this, police still needed hard evidence to arrest her, and they were about to get it. So around the time that Stella failed her polygraph test, her daughter, Cynthia, came forward. And she told police the funnest little story. She said that her mother had often talked to her about killing Bruce. She talked about hiring a hitman. She said, and this really, this is, oh my God. She said that after Bruce went through rehab, he was boring. And that's why Stella wanted to kill him. Okay, hold on, wait. Didn't Stella, like, abuse Cynthia? Like, I'm not imagining that I heard that. That was correct, yes. And Stella still felt comfortable going to her daughter and saying, hey, I want to kill Bruce. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. Like, if I were her daughter, I'd be like, all right, putting that back here, that little nugget mm-hmm. for when I need it. Which maybe, she, I really don't know. Maybe it was some kind of mental torture. Like, she already beat her with a curtain rod. Maybe she's like, well, if I'm willing to do this to him, what am I willing to do to you? I don't know. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a healthy family dynamic. Not at all. But it frustrates me even more because that was that was why Stella wanted to kill him. Because apparently they used to go to bars together. They'd go bar hopping. That was their thing. And after he got clean, he would stay home and watch TV. So he was boring. Okay, he can't go to bars anymore. Recovering right. alcoholics, if they are serious, typically cut out that temptation altogether. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them will just, it's out of my life. I can't do it because if I have even a drink, I'm going to spiral. And from my understanding, that's that's what he was doing. He was staying home. He didn't tell her, hey, you need to stay home. No, she still she still went out and drank. But since he wouldn't, she was unhappy. Well, why didn't they just find, like, different adventures to do? Why don't you just divorce? Why do you have to kill him? Okay, well, I mean, that too. But if she's concerned that he's boring because they're not drinking, maybe find an alternate hobby oh, that you can no. do together. Because she liked drinking. She can still drink, but I'm saying a different hobby for them to do together. Mm, I don't think she was a rational person. I don't think she is a rational person. Because she's still alive. Stella told Cindy that if Bruce died, they would get the money they needed to open a tropical fish store. Or a ceramics store. Which was another hobby that apparently Stella liked. Oh, that's... I. You don't have to kill someone to open a tropical fish store. No, I feel like you could just get a loan. You're good at forging. Yeah. 
you're fine. Like it's yeah. just do what you know. Don't go to murder. Yeah. Just have your fish store and be happy. She's just fishing for things to do, isn't she? And she's not smart about it. So Cindy also told investigators that Stella had researched toxic plants and poisons at their local library. You can just go to the library and research that? Well, yeah. And they actually sub- subpoenaed, the FBI subpoenaed the library record. So do you want to hear what she was researching? Oh, of course. Stella checked out multiple books, including Deadly Harvest, which was marked as overdue, meaning it was never returned. And Human Poisoning from Native Plants. Okay, those are books that you don't take home with you. You go to the library, you read them there, you take your notes and you leave without the book. No, she did that with um, three different encyclopedias that the FBI pulled Stella's finger and palm prints from on entries about cyanide. Because they already caught her. They're like, okay, she's got these library books about poisonous plants. Mm-hmm. we're just going to go and dust this and see if she's touched the encyclopedias about cyanide. And she touched all of them all the time. She literally went and just smashed her hand on it t- all the time. That's, yeah. That's how she read. <laughs> actually. She was like, cyanide is the poison. And she just <laughs> fingerprinted every word. Did she read out loud and loud like that too? Like cyanide is, she was using like, what is it? Hooked on phonics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was sounding the words out. Kind <laughs> <laughs> She 100% was. I know it. Um, <laughs> Cynthia also told police that she, Stella told her that she had already tried to poison Bruce with foxglove and it failed. That's because she's a failure at life. She, she sucks, man. <laughs> so she was indicted and arrested on December 9th. 1987 on five counts of product tampering her trial was on was in april of 1988 may 9th she was found guilty on all charges after five days of jury deliberation why did it take that long guys i was just about to ask how did it take five maybe they were winging it they're like listen the longer we're out of work the better for me i don't want to go back yeah but still they had 36 fingerprints on one document of the definition of cyanide yes that's not a literal amount but i'm just saying maybe they figured it out on the first day and they said hey guys if we stay here you want to play some poker for a couple days i mean they have to feed us yeah so the jury foreman was like okay one person yeah you you don't agree with us just until we stay yes just just you know let's really ride this out for a week we get paid for it we want Subway for lunch. We'll do a secret handshake the day that you can agree with us, okay? Yes. They had to spend day one figuring out the handshake. Oh, yeah. And then they had to spend the next four days perfecting it. Exactly. And by then, mm-hmm. someone's like, guys, I actually have to get back to work next week. I have a vacation coming up. <laughs> I've got a vacation, okay? <laughs> get me the hell out of here. I already bought the tickets, guys. <laughs> They're non-refundable. <laughs> I know my family is not going with me. That's why I have to be there. (laughs) You don't understand how important this is. (laughs) Nichols' legal team moved for a mistrial claiming jury tampering and judicial misconduct. And it was denied. Judicial misconduct and jury tampering? How? Tell me. Tell me your reasoning. 
I would love to know that, but I couldn't find it. It was a secret handshake. That's what they thought the jury tampering was. That's not jury tampering. That's jury deliberation. Yeah. On a handshake. Yeah. They were still deliberating. That's what took them so long. You just shut up and accept your sentence, Stella. Maybe Stella was tampering with the jury. She That's why it took so long. Is She was like, I would never. She tampered with one of the jurors, messed with their head a little bit. She caught one yeah. at the water fountain. Exactly. And she's like, mm-hmm. do I look like a little old lady that would do this type of thing? I loved my husband. He, he was, was the love, love of my, my life. life. Whoa. <laughs> stop it. Okay, this is getting weird. <laughs> you gotta stop reading my mind. <laughs> I, I'm, I am reading a Google Doc, okay? That's not on your Google Doc. Bullshit. <laughs> okay, yeah, that wasn't, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Stella Nichol was sentenced to two consecutive 90-year sentences. These charges were relating to the deaths of Bruce Nichol and Susan Snow. And then she was sentenced to three 10-year terms for the product tampering charges on the other three bottles that were found. Oh, bye. All sentences would be served correctly. Wait, correctly or consecutively? Neither. It says concurrently. I don't know what else. She has to serve these sentences correctly. (laughs) She can't just forge her way out of here. <laughs> That's not correct, okay? <laughs> Sorry, all sentences would be served concurrently and correctly. Both of those. Okay. <laughs> she also had to pay a small fine and forfeit remaining assets to her victims' families. Wait, what about her daughter, though? Her daughters were victims. Oh, okay. Yeah, they lost their stepdad. I, I see, okay. Following the trial, Cynthia received the reward money from the pharmaceutical company. Nickel, this lovely lady, Stella Nickel maintained her innocence and claimed that Cynthia lied to receive the reward money. And also the store clerk that sold her the algae destroyer, they lied too. Oh, everyone's just a liar. Yeah, everyone else is lying. Don't you know that she would never, never allow her child to be fraudulent in her claims? Not in her. Never. Stella became eligible for parole in 2017. In this parole hearing, she finally took responsibility for murdering Bruce Nichol. But she told the court she acted in self-defense as a victim of domestic abuse. Oh, freaking get bent. You know how people put bags of dog poop? No, they don't. Yeah, they put dog poop in the little brown bags and then they set it on fire and they like ding dong ditch. She is the bag. Of flaming dog shit. That is Stella Nickel. She spent how long trying to come up with that reason? She's been perfecting that her, oh, but it was domestic abuse for how, and you know what? We don't know. There could have been domestic abuse involved, but that's not a reason for murder. No. And the way she went about it was very much not self-defense because not only did she kill one person, she killed two. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah, Susan Snow. What happened to her? She didn't do anything. So there's a big difference between self-defense and premeditated. Because this is premeditated. She went to the library. She was looking for things, ways to poison her husband. Mm -hmm. Susan Snow, she may not have been the intended target, but she still killed her. Yeah. That wasn't self-defense. For two, at least two other bottles. I believe it was three. Yeah, because she had two. She put three other bottles 
in random stores, in random places. She did not give a shit who else she killed. Matter of fact, she was banking on it because remember they, Bruce was the first one to die and they ruled his death a natural cause. It, it wasn't caused naturally. So she was banking on killing someone else, which is even more disgusting. Right. And that's what I'm saying is like, that's not, that's not self-defense. No, I don't like her at all. So here's the good news. She's been denied parole twice. Good. In 2022, she filed a petition arguing compassionate relief because of her failing health and nearly spotless record. I don't give a shit that you have a nearly spotless record in prison. You killed two people. Kick rocks, heifer. And I don't give a shit that your eyesight or your eyesight, sorry, that your health is failing either. I don't, I don't like her. U.S. District Judge James Robart said that she doesn't qualify for compassionate relief, release. And he also said that the Bureau of Prisons could ask for her release, but they didn't. They still haven't. Sucks to suck. They're like, I'm sorry, ma'am, a stub toe is not enough for a compassionate release. A cold? Yeah. Oh, you're sick now? Colds don't count for a compassionate release either. Oh, you're sick? Here, have some Excedrin, you monster. I hate this lady. I really hate this lady. I know you do. I know you do. She's currently located in Dublin Federal Prison in Dublin, California. With good behavior, she's scheduled to be released July 10th, 2040. She will be 96 years old. However, I wanted to end this story on a light note, on a positive note. If she were to be released at the age of 96, she still faces the possibility of the state charges for murders of Susan Snow and Bruce Nickel because she was sent to prison on product tampering charges. So even if she gets released early, if she gets released on time, they can still come back and be like, hi, you killed two people. Let's go back to court. We're on our way. Bye. Mm -hmm. Suck it, Stella Nickel. I mean, at least she's, you said 96. She will be eligible or she's scheduled to be released when she's 96 yes hopefully her eyesight's gone and she can't read any more books about things to poison people away yeah nobody give her anything if you give her a book written in braille just have it say you suck repeatedly just don't show her audible show her the same audible <laughs> just you suck just that's all it says Yeah. Okay. okay. I don't like her. Well, do okay. you want do you want a new story or something else to think about? I would love anything else to think about. So, you know how I started the uh the cryptids by state? Uh-huh. Well, we're doing more. Can I guess? Yeah. Is it Alaska? It is Alaska. Oh, I'm so good at context clues. Is it because everything in the pictures looks cold as shit? That and because or, alphabetically it's Alabama than Alaska. My OCD wouldn't allow me to just randomize it. Yeah. No, I, that wasn't. Oh. <laughs> my brain went Alabama, Alaska. Okay, Alaska it is. Uh, I almost skipped Alaska to let you do it so that we like alternated which states. But I said, screw her. If she's not going to do it, Alaska, <laughs> I'm going to do it. So I don't even know if she's going to participate in my 50 states of cryptids. But I might eventually. I told you you were supposed to, but if I make it all the way through, I guess I make it all the way through without you. Like, I'm going to let you do all of them, and then I'll come in and do, like, Wyoming. 
Okay. <laughs> That's fine, because I'll be done. I'll be like, all right, all you. No more 50 states. <laughs> Anyways. So let me just tell you that doing Alaska was not thought through. Uh-huh. Because Alaska has a lot of Native American legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I might struggle through some of these pronunciations because all of these cryptids are from the Inuit tribes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I will say, though, I did not do a lot. There were a ton that I could have done from Alaska. So they might get up to part two. Ooh, okay. But we're going to start with these four different cryptids that we found. Now, I also want to just shout out, some of these are just legends of the creatures. Some of them don't have a lot of detail. Some of them have really conflicting detail. Let's remember, these stories are typically passed down orally for generations before they were finally documented. So different families, different people might have different stories or understandings. So there's a lot of different ideas of the starting or whatever these creatures may be. Okay, are you ready? The pictures are not in order, so don't don't complain. I'm sorry. We're going to start with, let me figure out which picture it is, uh, the third picture. And this guy, let me just tell you, this is the Tizaruk, uh, or it's also known as the Palrayuk. And this one is really short because there's not a lot of known about this, <laughs> but I also kind of love this big-headed freak. So <laughs> again, there's just not a lot of documented lore that I could find. This is a mythical large serpent-like creature from the Inuit legend. Again, all of these are Inuit. It is said to inhabit the waters near Key Island in Alaska. And they are described as having a head that is seven feet long. Okay. Yeah, seven feet, this head, you know, bigger than me. Oh, it gets better. Um, But it's said to have that head seven feet long and a tail that ends in a flipper in total this thing is estimated to be 12 to 15 feet long. Not the front door. So its head is like half its body. Yeah, I was just about to say it's half head. I. Oh that's why I God. said it's a big-headed freak. Poor thing. Does that mean he's got like a really big brain, though? Or is it like dinosaurs where it's the size of a peanut? I didn't. No one's told me how big its brain is, but that's very possible because no one's caught one to see how big its brain is. That's fine. We're on the case. Okay. <laughs> Now, there's a ton of different descriptions of the creature. So, first of all, some accounts claim that it has thick fur, a crocodile-like or snake head, short horns, a long tongue, and instead of a flipper, it actually has, like, a fish-like tail. Where are the horns? On its head? On its head. Yeah, the picture I included was just one of the pictures I saw. I didn't include all of the descriptions pictures. Gotcha. Another description is that this is more of a giant eel-like creature. And it has transparent skin or flesh. And you can still see its victims being digested in this version. Because its flesh is transparent, but ours is not. Um, I don't know if I severely dislike that or really love it. I don't know either. I was really torn. I'm really interested because I'm imagining, you know, the little fish that are see-through. That you get Mm -hmm. in, like, for whatever little fish tank. Yeah. But with... 12 feet long and most of it being head and they're just eating like a shrimp or something. I don't know. Well, they're not eating a shrimp. Um, Let's just put it that way. So they're not eating a shrimp, but they're not eating my family, are they? Mm, Maybe. Uh, No. So let's also remember that because it's invisible in this version, it's less visible for you. So you might not see it coming up. 
Oh no, they're eating me. Also in this version, the creature is able to venture into water as shallow as one foot, which means it can compress its body quite a bit. Oh, I hate that. And let's just add to this that its victims, which I have not told you yet, but I'm sure everyone knows what its victims are. But if you can still see its victims and it has now compressed down to one foot water, guess what else is compressing with it? My family. Yeah. So the Tizaruk, they're said to snatch people from docks and piers just at random. Well, I'm not even, I'm not even safe if I'm just close to the water. No. No, you're not. Dang it, because I really want to go to that Black Rock Beach or whatever it is in Alaska. No, I wouldn't. After I've got two stories that might deter you from doing that. Oh, crap. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess only one of them. Only this one would deter you from that. The other would deter you from taking Annie. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so local legend is that you can attract the Tizaruk by tapping on the inside of your boat. And that's really all the information I've got. There's not a lot that I could find on this little, this creature, this fun guy. Cool. How do I repel it? I don't want to attract it. No, I don't go to the water. Gotcha. Gotcha. A lot of people think that this could just be like an undiscovered sea creature with how much of the ocean there is and how little it has been explored. So people are like, well, it could just be like a, a creature no one knows about yet. But I still feel like if it's coming that close to the surface, we more than likely would have discovered it by now but i don't know yeah well i don't not if they're invisible that's true not if they're but you can see their victims compress in their stomach while they compress so that's great i really don't like it i don't like him i kind of like him he's kind of he's unique he's got like a little bit of uh his own flair yeah oh i guess you could call it flair (laughs) flair attitude whatever okay are you ready for the next one i think so Okay, the next one is the Alaska Bushman, also known as the Tornit, which is the last picture. Love him. Can we be friends? Uh, probably not. So again, this one's another Inuit legend. Uh, this one's an older one. Now, some people associate these creatures with B- Bigfoot, um, and they're also often called Alaska's Bigfoot. So this will probably come up again when I do the Bigfoot research that I have been slowly doing, but... Eventually. Now, the Tornit are believed to have a much larger stature than that of a typical human. They're believed to possess extraordinary strength. They were so strong that they would build houses out of stones and boulders that were just far too large for any of the Inuit people to move or lift. They had long arms, really long legs. They were human-like, but many described them as presenting more like a giant ape because they were often covered in hair. Um, And many people said they would be mistaken for a bear. Even with their physical advantages, though, the Tornet had some disadvantages. They had really poor eyesight, which hindered their ability to hunt. And listen, guys, I get it. We'll get you some glasses. No big deal, okay? I've got a doctor. He set me up. I can drive so well now. I mean, I could drive. I could drive okay before, but now I can see, and that helps. I I can now see. I can now see when I'm driving. It's yeah. I mean, nobody has to watch out for me anymore. I can read the Taco Bell menu. I used them for that the other day. I wasn't driving, but I was like, because I, I leave them in my car, my glasses. And I was like, oh, wait, look. And I put my glasses on and James is like, I hate you. And you're like, I don't need you to read to me anymore. I yeah. want. 
I don't need you to love me. I can read my own Taco Bell menu. And I still want a Mexican pizza. I did get a Mexican. Yeah, you know me so well. I know. I know. So they had poor eyesight, hinders their ability to hunt. And they often smelled like they had either, on the good days, they had just been sprayed by a skunk. Or, on bad days, like rotting flesh. Okay. Um, (laughs) So they don't have good days, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, they, they have their bad days, too. Now... The origin story starts off with the Inuit and the uh, Tornits living peacefully with their villages nearby each other. Not like intermingled, but nearby. Okay. They even shared uh, common hunting grounds. And in some renditions, it stated that they may not have been hostile towards each other, but they weren't necessarily friendly with one another either. Because the Tornit were known to steal from the Inuit. Well, that's not nice. I know, it's not very nice. At least you can smell them coming. Valid point. Or some would say there would be conflicts, but the Inuit may have been wary to act as the Tornet were so much larger and so much stronger that they were, they weren't really in a position that they could attack. They were bullies. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, so the Inuit kind of dealt with it in some versions. Now, the Inuits were known for crafting kayaks and... I mean, this really benefited them because that helps them with hunting in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Tornets were just not able to master the craft of kayaks. They just never could. And the Tornets were also aware of the advantage that the the kayaks gave the Inuits. So one day, which in some renditions, this happened quite frequently, where the Tornets would, quote unquote, borrow a kayak for the day. Borrowed without asking. Yes. So a young tornet would borrow one of the Inuit's kayaks. And again, it's borrow without permission, intent to return. Well, this tornet would go on to damage the underside of the kayak. And the young Inuit member was livid. He was sick of their shit. He was done. And he let his anger simmer. Just simmers and simmers until that night. When this Inuit member would go on to stab the Tornet in the nape of the neck in its sleep, and it would kill this Tornet. Whoa, okay, whoa, that's... The rage was simmering, okay? It was, it had gone past the simmer, it was boiling. I was on his side at first, and now I'm kind of <laughs> like, maybe we should have talked this out. Maybe we should have okay. journaled our feelings. Not that I'm defending them, I'm just going to say they also had potential tensions that had kind of pushed this also from previously Mm -hmm. stolen things um, not just the kayaks but goods hunting grounds and then also a fear of them in general yeah it might have been like a couple things and this just was his push me over the edge moment he's ballsy i'll give him that yeah well i guess it kind of worked out for the inuit because the tornets they became very fearful because they potentially knew that the inuits were not thrilled with the tornets in general and there was already tension there And the Tornets would just flee. They would just flee the area. And since then have rarely been seen. Oh, okay. So this guy's kind of a hero. Yeah, kind of. Since then, a lot of bush hunters are rumored to disappear, either never being found or being found dead and mangled. The Hunter and Tornets, they no longer share hunting grounds. So when they see one another, I mean, whose hunting ground is it and who's going to win? 
Now, again, this is just one version of that story. There could be countless versions. This is the one that I could find documented on the internet, okay? And like I said, in another version, the story with this creature, they recall tensions between the groups. And some recall that the Tornet were actually hunted by the Inuit as, like, game rather than they're over in their village, we're over in ours. So there's the possibility they were hunted. Others recall that the Inuit and the Tornet were not fond of each other, and this may have been because the Inuit believed the, cr- the creatures to be morally repugnant, dim-witted, unpleasant, and vicious creatures. Okay, some of that's a little... A little far. They just stink. They can't help. They don't have barbers, I assume. Well, many stories also tell that the Tornet would attack villages when men were away, with the intent to kill the women and children of the villages. <gasps> For what? Okay, you gotta stop jerking me back and forth like this. I'm over here, like, I'm on the Inuit side, and then you say something, and I'm like, they're not dim-witted, they're just misunderstood. And then you're like, they're killing women and children, and I'm like, set them on fire. Not the women and children. Yeah, there's so many different conflicting stories about the Inuit and the Tornet, so it's really interesting to read those. And that was really brief, short of the Tornet, or the Alaska... Or Alaska's Bigfoot. I'll probably touch on it again when I do Bigfoot. Okay. Okay. How do you feel about the tournament now? Man, I don't know. I can't tell if he's misunderstood or if he just sucks. I don't know either, but I threw him in. All right. The next one is the Adlet. Again, I'm just going to say it's from the Inuit legend. Um, or Inuit legends. And the Adlet are said to be a race of people with the lower body of dogs and the upper body of humans. They are taller than that of the typical Inuit person, and they are known for being able to run quickly. And some people will depict them as cannibals. Do they run on two feet or four? Like, do they run like a dog or a human? I think they just run on two feet. I think. I don't know. Because there's a lot of different ways that they're depicted. So it could be four, it could be two. The picture I included was more true to the description that I saw. Because it's the upper part of a human, but the lower body of a dog. And a lot of the pictures look more like kind of a werewolf. Rather than half human, half dog. Okay. Now these creatures were to believe were believed to be the offspring of an Inuit woman and a very large dog. Oh. All the sources I saw mentioned this was through what they called an unnatural mating, but I'm not sure if this was like bestiality or something more supernatural, but I think it's more supernatural based on the rest of the origin story. I'm uncomfortable, but I'm with you. I, me too. Now, it's believed that this woman, she would go on to marry this large dog, and... She would give birth to 10 children. That poor woman. At the same time or separately? I understood it was at the same time. (gasps) So she she gave birth to a litter of children? Yep. That's terrifying. Of the litter, half were said to be dogs and the other half were said to be Adlet. And due to this woman and her family, they end up being sent to a remote island. And it's believed that the Adlet were really... Healthy eaters. They really liked food. <laughs> okay. So the the woman and her dog husband, they are sent off to this island. And they are given the instructions by her father 
that the dog husband was to swim to shore, swim to the main island every day, and the grandfather would provide meat. He'd put it in a boot or boots around the, the dog husband's neck, and he would swim back and provide for the children. That feels unsafe. Like, look at this other thing in the water. Listen, I don't know. Maybe this dog was fine because he's like, I'm one of you. Let me swim on by. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But, so the dog husband would do this. He would swim from this remote island to the mainland every day. And the grandfather would fill his pair of boots and he would go back. That was until one day when the grandfather was said to fill the boots with rocks, drowning the dog husband. What the hell, Grandpa? He did not, the beginning, some of the origins of the story really talk about this woman and she just rejected all of these perfectly fine suitors, but then went and married this dog husband. And her father was not thrilled about this because she had all these other suitors, but she married it up. She didn't want them. Apparently not. Oh my God. That's, I was sitting here just thinking too, like, <laughs> oh, he's such a good dad to his puppies and puppy children like he's he's being such a good dad he's being such a good boy and then grandpa over here has to grandpa your dick well the mother she does fear for her children and in some stories she would just send these children inland and they would begin expanding in numbers Another alternate ending to that story state that the mother was so upset that her father had just drowned her dog husband, that she would send her children to gnaw off her father's feet and hands. Oh, shit. <laughs> she ain't messing around. And the father was so upset, he would kick her overboard when she was on his boat. How? And How many feet? I don't think they necessarily gnawed off everything. I think they attempted to. Just because they were sent doesn't mean they were su successful. Okay. And the father, he would kick her overboard. She's hanging on to the side of the boat. And while she's hanging on to the side of the boat, he would cut off her fingers. And as her fingers fell into the ocean, they would turn into whales and seals. Do any of these stories have, like, healthy family units in them? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for the whales and seals. I like whales and seals. I hate that she had to lose her fingers to produce them. I, yeah, I don't know what to say on that one. The woman, she was again scared of what her father would do. And she sends her children off. And her, she, in some stories, it talked about her sending five of her children on like this makeshift raft. And just sending them through the ocean. And the other five stayed with her. And, you know... The five or the ones that were on this makeshift raft, they would make it across the ocean and they would arrive and become the ancestors of the Scandinavian people. Okay. So some believe that maybe this is how they kind of integrated how um, like the Scandinavian people came to be in their lives. And that was kind of their way of saying, oh, that's where the, the adlet went is they went and became the Sc Scandinavian, whatever it was. So they kind of integrated that. But they would go on, the Adlet would be, go on to be portrayed as aggressive and savages who would attack any man that they crossed paths with, though most stories end with the man being the victor and not the Adlet. So, in the man's defense, that was self-defense. 
in the Adlet's defense, he started it. He walked by. Wait, are we talking about the grandpa? No, we're just saying any man. Oh, okay. I was talking about the grandpa. <laughs> okay. No, the grandpa maybe possibly had his feet and hands not off. We don't really know. I just want to, I did want to ask, I'm sorry. We got, we're far away from this topic, but it, I can't let it go. What was the grandpa's plan? And I know you might not know that, but like he's, he's mad because his daughter turned down all these perfect, great suitors that he liked and she didn't. So he just destroyed her family and then cut off all her fingers. And then, and then what, sir? I don't know his plan. Um, I didn't see it in the, the retellings that I saw. I guess it could have been like revenge for her disobeying him in a way. I don't really know. I don't like him. He's toxic. I'm sorry. Now, these are not only known to the people of Alaska, but they're also found in the Inuit mythology of Greenland and the Labrador and Hudson Bay coast in Canada. There's a link between the Adla and the, oh God, I didn't Google this word, Eric Huglit peoples of Greenland and Baffin Islands. Yep, I nailed it, done. You did great, yeah. And just to throw it out there, I know I keep saying it's a dog husband, but some people believe that this could have been a werewolf or a wendigo. Because it always mentioned that it was a really, really large dog. So a lot of people believe that it was likely a werewolf or a wendigo, a, a large, more mythical type creature. And that's why I said it was probably more supernatural than just like a dog. Okay, that makes sense. And that is the legend of the Oblet. And we have one more. Are you ready? Am I going to like this one or am I going to hate it like the rest of them? You're going to hate it because it's the last one. And if it's the only picture that's left, which is the second picture, and that's horrible. Oh, I thought it was kind of intriguing. Like the Adlet, I just feel bad for. I just, I don't know what to say. But the next one and our final one is the Kalupalit. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm sorry if it's wrong. Uh, Kalupalit. This legend, again, is based in the northern parts of Canada and Alaska. Originates from the Inuit legend. She is believed to live along the Arctic shoreline, specifically near the ice flows. And it is described, or she is described as being human-like, with green skin, and her skin is also slimy. And bumpy. She has long hair, very long fingernails, or some describe them as claws. Uh-huh. She has webbed hands, scales, and fins, and the fins are often described as coming out of their head, back, and torsos. Two flippers, one with special powers, we'll talk about, or potentially special powers, and predominantly described as female. They are also known are also described as smelling of sulfur. I'm, I'm just, I'm, you're losing me because you started with human-like and we are getting farther and farther from human-like. Human, so I'm human-like, just... she stands and walks on two legs. Physically, so looks like a human, aside from the other webbed hands, fins. Aside from stuff. literally everything else. <laughs> else. Yes, but she's human-esque, okay? And she has hair like the girl from The Ring. She does in that picture. She's also known to wear an amotique, which is a parka that the Inuit woman would wear. 
and it would actually hold a child against the back, like in a built-in baby pouch. I've seen these on TikTok, and they are it's so interesting. The, the I don't like that things? she has one. Yes. Oh, okay. I don't like that this 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 humanoid creature has one. I, I don't like that. And this child does not look happy to be in there. Okay. Well, I'll explain why that is in just a second. So they're believed to have the ability to also alter their appearance. And it was a special technique called, oh God, I didn't Google this word either. Pulutitaminic? That enables them to change features, but I couldn't find more on this technique. So I did Google it. I just didn't Google pronunciation of it. I just didn't find more about what this technique means. So I don't, I don't know. Okay. That's just the technique they use. She's believed to hum to entice children to come closer to the water. And remember how I mentioned one of her flippers has a potentially special power? Uh-huh. That's believed to emit a shrill sound that can paralyze its victims. I.e. the children that it's enticing. Okay. Well, um, I, I know I keep asking really difficult questions here, but you say she has two flippers and one's potentially supernatural. Is yeah. it like a right and left thing? Or is it like... I have no clue. I need to know which one to look for. Like if she's got just like a mean right hook, but she's coming, <laughs> she's going to come at you with that special magic left flipper. I need to know. I have no clue, sorry. <laughs> um, well, the Kalupalit is also believed to uh, knock from beneath the ice. And this would also draw the child's attention without them knowing this was like a weak spot in the ice. Now, you might notice her theme here is children. And it's believed that she takes the children away to maintain either her long flowing hair or her immortality. I'm thinking it's more likely her immortality. I just got to shiver with that one because that's. I don't like that. And also, why are you tapping on the ice? You're going to get the Tizzeruk up here. And now we're going to have even more problems. Maybe she's friends with the Tizzeruk. I hope he eats her. Maybe it's her pet. Ew. You can't even see it. How can you feed it? <laughs> you just hand it a child and I guess you're good. I don't know. Oh no, it's like a symbiotic relationship. It really doesn't sound great, huh? It doesn't. Not for us, not for the children. Think of the children. Oh, the children. Um, now the parents and elders of the Inuits would tell their children that if they were bad or wandered too close to the seashore, that the Kalupalit would come on shore and accounts of what happens to the children differ. Some believe she'll put the children in her amutik. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm so sorry if that's wrong. But she would take them back to the sea with her and raise them as her own but they would never see their families again. Which that one's pretty mild if you ask me that version. Like she's just going to take you and raise you elsewhere. Alright. Like that's mild comparatively to the rest. Some state that as soon as she has the child, she will devour it. Oh, great. Wonderful. Let's just let's big just change jump there. right into it. Yeah. That one was a 180. Woo. Yeah. And then the other version is that the children are held in a stasis-like state and used as fuel to maintain her youth. Uh-huh. So kind of like um, 
I'm thinking real sci-fi. Yeah, the Matrix, like how they're all in pods, that's what I envision, but in her little cave that she puts them in their stasis-like state. Oh, I imagine her in the bottom of the sea and she puts them in big clams or something. Oh, the legend is that there's a cave, like she's got under the water is what I understood, is she finds, she has a special cave and puts them there. So she's Ursula. (laughs) I guess so, I don't, she, she doesn't quite look like Ursula, okay? No, I'm, I'm, Ursula looks, looks way better than her. You know what? We're not going to upset her because I don't need her coming after me or my children, okay? Dang, I was going to be like, I'm not a kid. I don't care, but you're right. I've got kids. Yeah. <laughs> I said, think of the children, and I'm not. <laughs> you were like, think of the children because I'm not doing it. <laughs> James, you better be thinking of the kids. Oh, boy. <laughs> Now, some say that if you're clever, it's believed that you can outsmart this creature. Um, Initially, they're believed to be invulnerable in their natural state. So this is in their Kalupalit state. So basically, what some claim to have figured out is that you call out and ask them to change shape. Just, hey, can you change shape? And once in this new form, you can then kill it and bring it home. And you've outsmarted it. Bring it home. I don't want this thing in my home. It's like, um, it was considered like a prize. Like this was a really big, like, what what do hunters get? Like, oh, so I can taxidermy it. Yeah, just not in the green scaly form. It might look like a walrus. Oh, that, okay. That makes way more sense. So like a walrus or a big fish or something on the wall. I was thinking... Yeah. Once it dies, it changes back into this form, and then you mount her head on your no. bedpost. I don't know. Which this might just be people claiming that they killed one, and it was actually just a seal or a walrus or something, and that that's their prize or whatever. Now, there are a lot of stories about the Kalupalit. I have to keep looking at my like spelled out pronunciation so I don't forget. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So there's a lot of stories, but the one that I could find that was most prevalent was one about a grandmother sacrificing her grandson. Uh, okay. The story states that the family was struggling and she was not able to care or feed her grandchild. So the grandma would call upon Kalupalit and have this grandson taken away, believing he would be better off because she couldn't even feed him, right? And the whole tribe at the time was struggling with hunting and getting food and all of that. Now, when the tribe was again able to start hunting and they were more successful again, um, at, this is after after Kalupalit has taken the little boy. She came, she took him, he's gone. Um, the tribe's able again to start hunting and in some versions, the grandmother feels a lot of remorse about losing her grandson and she tells some of the other villagers and a young Inuit couple decided well, let's go save the boy. So they were okay. able to find him. He was tethered by seaweed to what I understood was to the Kalupali. And th- the child could never get far from her at this point, right? But also, in some renditions, as this child saw people approach, they would do this little poem to let the Kalupali know that people were approaching and she would then yank the boy underwater and they would disappear. Oh, so a little um, Stockholm syndrome 
possibly. He could have very well been upset that his grandma's like, here, take this little shithead. Yeah. Sorry, I Would can't you- feed him. He'd be better off with you. And then okay, maybe she does treat him wonderfully. You know what? She might because she had him on that leash and she was watching him. She kept him. He was alive. You know, he wasn't dead. Yeah. So again, when this couple would get close or these people would get close, she would drag the boy under the water with her. So these people, this couple, they devise a plan because this happened a couple times and they hid nearby where they had seen him come up on numerous occasions. And They just kind of hid and were as stealthy as they could be. And as soon as they saw him in some versions, they would cut him loose. In other versions, they would cut him loose as soon as the sun rose. I don't know what significance that had. Hmm. But he was then free of the Kalukleet. And um, in some versions, this young couple would take him home and raise him as their own. And he would become this really, really great hunter. So they didn't even give him back to the grandma. They were like, no, you gave him away. We got him back, but he's ours now. So you go back to, yeah, you go back to your house and we'll go back to ours. Yeah. So in those versions, they're like, he's ours now. Sorry. But he would become (laughs) this really great and well-respected hunter in versions. And that's the end of that story. Like they cut him free. He's home. New family done. Again, there are different variations of the story, one including that the grandmother did not give the child to this creature because of their struggle, but rather as punishment for the child's misbehavior. Granny, what the hell? I've, I don't know what to tell you there. Now, often the references of the Kalu Palit are vague in the sense that it's not clear if there are vast amounts of these creatures. Or just one. I don't like that. Nobody knows. I think I would like it less if it was just one. I think so too, because that would mean that even after people claim to have killed it, she's still around. Yeah. Sorry, bud. That's a regular seal just hanging out in your living room. I know, right? (laughs) Now, it's often referenced that the purpose of the story was actually to keep the children of the Inuit tribe safe. The Inuit lived in freezing conditions. Ice, freezing cold water, very dangerous conditions. And so this was used kind of as a cautionary tale to keep children away from some of those hazardous areas. Which I feel like if my parents told me that this creature was going to come get me if I got too close to the water, I'm not going anywhere near the water. Oh, one. I was going to say 100%, but also I'll be really curious. I would be like, I'll stay home. Bye. I would be there tapping on the ice. Like, Miss Green Lady. <laughs> You're like, Kalukleet, where are you? And where Let is your pet? Hair. You're like, where is your pet, Tizaruk? Yeah, I've got a brother that just won't leave me alone. <laughs> I will sacrifice him. <laughs> but that is the legend of the Kalukleet. And those are the creatures I'm covering today. I know I already mentioned it, but Alaska has a lot more. So they might get a second part later for their cryptids. I haven't decided yet. And I know this was just focused on the Inuit legends, but these aren't even all of the Inuit legends. There's more than that. So I could go on for days with these legends. I I mean, as of today, the, is it Kalupalik? Is that how you say it? Kalupalik. Yeah. She's my favorite. Like, she's just. She's not mouse. Yeah, she's something else. She looks like something else. She's 
She's like the Alaskan Krampus. Kind of, except for she's there year-round. Yeah. She's there year-round. She's snatching your kids. She's taking them to the ocean. And I love the picture that I've shared. It She has two kids just both screaming. Yeah. I assume screaming. They don't look pleased. No, they do not. <laughs> but I, I also think when you look at the picture, she had to have tapped on the ice from underneath. To yeah, because she's like in a hole in the ice. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like, come here, little children. But. The one in her arms looks like Annie when I'm trying to put her in the crib. That looks like Annie anytime you hold her and she doesn't want to be there. Yeah, she's she's a free spirit. She doesn't like being confined. She's a wild child. She really is. Okay, any questions about any of them? Because I probably can't answer them. <laughs> I think I've asked them all. I feel like I had a lot of questions today. Yeah, I don't know how to answer them because these are just legends. They didn't really go into detail of how they ran, if it was two legs or four. Look, I don't know why my brain works the way it does, okay? But you said they were really fast runners, and I was like, oh, I bet they would be. I wonder if, I wonder how that works. I have no idea. And like I said, so for that one, which I've already blinked on the name, the Adlet, the Adlet, there are so many different depictions of them. Some of them more werewolf-esque than half-man, half-dog. So, I mean, I chose the one that to me made more sense to half man half dog i like him too because he's i tried to skirt around this pun but i couldn't he's the underdog here in this story he really is the underdog so i like him that's a sad story they kind of deserve to be angry i'm not arguing with them but i'm not arguing with them they they killed they are very unhappy with us i'm not going to alaska Anytime soon. So I really want to go to the Black Sand Beach. It's so pretty. But you can't take Annie. That's even better. What are you talking about? It's yeah, it's a vacation. From Annie or with Annie? Because I don't feel like if you take Annie, it's gonna be a vacation for you. Oh, from 100 percent Oh, okay. So you're going alone. Yeah. Well, you can come and we can make it a girls' trip. Done. Okay. We're just okay. not yeah. we're not hunting for any of these no. creatures. No. Mostly because no. I'm pretty sure that Tizaruk would get us. Yeah, I don't want to go in the water because, well, it's Alaska. So I might, like, go put my finger in it and be like, there's another ocean, and then just scurry along. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, girls trip <laughs> to the Black Sand Beach. Cool, let's go. Done. Well, we've got a lot of vacations we got to plan here. Yeah, I'm not even writing them down. Uh, they're all on audio, so it's fine. Okay, cool. We have a we have a history. <laughs> Somebody tell us, yeah. where are we going? If you want to make us a list of where we're supposed to go, that'd be great. And if you want to just, you know, tell us what the best, most, most logical route would be to get all of these places, that'd be great, too. Yeah. Is there a driving, tra- is there a trail that we can take, a specific road? Route 666, it- probably. Maybe not. You can stay in that room. I'm not going to. Oh, no, not room. Root. That's how we're getting oh. to them. Yeah. We're taking that road to hell. The highway to hell. It's a highway to hell. So, uh, yeah, no, we're not doing that. But <laughs> if anyone wants to go through and tell us where we've said we're going, that'd be great. Because we don't know. We've gone. 
everywhere. Yeah, we're just gonna go places. Well, let's you know. We're just scooching around everywhere. It's fine. <laughs> no big deal. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can also find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast Linktree. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're where we are working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at helenhillspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye! Bye!